Amen. Great song. Glad that you're here with us today and here to worship. I love to see all the kids come forward and give their money. They're, they're, the first service is smaller, but I think there is as many kids in that service as this one. And that is the highlight, and I've said it before, but I just can't wait until we have like adult give at the front and everybody runs forward. That will be really fun. So, so we'll just see how all that works one of these days, okay? So this morning we are talking about becoming like Jesus. We're in the midst of a series. Excuse me that it is also the mi- we are also in the midst of allergy season. So I am feeling it today, and it's fine when you sit in the pew, but it's difficult whenever you stand up to preach. So, so I, I may every once in a while lose it for a moment, but I'm going to try not to. It's that idea today we're talking about serving and the importance of serving and that idea of being like Christ, and we want to be like Jesus. And one of the reasons that many of you came this morning is because you want to be like Jesus. And you've, you've said that and you teach that to your children. Why do we do this, mom? Why do we do that? Because we want to be like Jesus, we sometimes say. But you know, when we start thinking about this, and especially as we think about serving today, you may be thinking, well, I want to be like Jesus, but to what extent do I want to be like Jesus? Because some of us, what we want is we want religion, you know, we want faith, we want to, you know, it feels good to have faith and we want to have, you know, maybe the, the Psalms to be able to go to when things aren't going our way and something that's comforting when we lose someone close to us or when we're going through a rough patch or lose a job or whatever it is. And so we want, we want a little bit of religion or, you know, I might think, well, I want something good and moral for my kids and so I, I, want, I want some religion or I want to have good friends and so I want that for religion, and, and I might think, I even, I, I want to go to heaven, so I want, I want some faith. But how much Jesus do I really want? And so today we're talking about the idea of service, and you may think, well, yeah, we all want to serve. Yeah, we would all say we will serve. I mean, if I were to ask you or someone else were to come up to ask you, you may not completely tell the truth, but you would probably say, yes, I want to serve like Jesus But I want you to see what he says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where Jesus calls himself the Son of Man here. And he says, for even the Son of Man, even Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is saying, I came to this earth to serve. Now at once I start thinking, well, if I'm going to be like Jesus, then I need to be a person that serves because Jesus was a server. So it's not just all about taking, although there is some taking, obviously. This is about me thinking about how do I serve other people? What do I do in order to serve others? Well, Jesus served all people. I like the verse in John chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, that says where Jesus says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. He's saying, if you follow me, then my life has value. I'm giving my life for everyone. For God so loved the whole wide world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus is saying, you will be a friend if you take advantage of what I'm doing for you. And so Jesus gives his life for everyone. 
You're saying, okay, David, I know, we want to serve. We serve, that's good. A lot of you have served today. We've had these men that have served in our, in our service today, and Tucker always does a great job leading singing, and other guys who lead, and yeah, we serve. I was thinking about this, and I've thought about it before, and probably talked about it before. Have you ever thought about how many people it takes to put on a Sunday service? I mean, Sunday morning early service and Sunday morning late service, but then the, the Bible class in between. This doesn't even count Sunday night. You start counting how many people you go, well, there's the preacher, right? And so you got, who else? Well, I'm paid. I guess I'm not serving, right? But you've got all the other people. Somebody does the Lord's Supper. Somebody does the, the, the prayers. And someone does the singing. But that's just the beginning. You also have someone that's doing the lights. And you have someone that's doing the streaming. And someone doing the sound. And you have someone doing the PowerPoint and you have people who are working the welcome desk, and you have all those teachers, and you have all those helpers that are helping in the children's ministry and youth ministry, and you have people who are greeting. And all at once, you start counting up how many people are involved in a Sunday morning. And I would not be surprised if there are more than 100 people that are serving on a Sunday morning. Matter of fact, little Eli Roberson, who is four years old, came up to me this morning and said, I brought the donuts. There are all kinds of people serving, right? We all have this role. Well, that's part of it. But let me tell you, there is so much more than just serving on a Sunday morning. We need all of you serving here and serving on Sundays. But there is so much more to it when you start talking about what a life is like that looks like Jesus when we talk about becoming like Jesus. Let me give you a few examples from the Gospel of Mark about Jesus. I could have started in chapter 1, I don't know why. I decided in chapter 2, I'd give you a few examples. If I went through every example in the book of Mark or any of the other Gospels where Jesus served, it would take hours to do because there are so many times he served. But for example, he served the paralyzed. There was a man, you may remember, that came in on a, on a stretcher, on a cot, through the roof of the building where Jesus was. His friends brought him in. And Jesus served that man by healing him. He didn't just serve that man, but he served the men who brought him in. Jesus was serving his friends, the man who now was able to walk. And it's incredible what Jesus did. But that wasn't the only time. You may remember later on in that chapter, he ate with sinners and tax collectors. Sinners and tax collectors, people when they say sinners like prostitutes and people that do things that are immoral would have been the people that would have been given that title, as well as the tax collectors, they are shunned from society, from Jewish society. They're not allowed to go to the temple. People look down on them, people talk against them, talk about them. And Jesus serves them, not by what he gives them physically, but by his presence at their meal. He's there with Levi, who we know as Matthew. And Jesus serves them just by showing up. He also healed a man that had demons. We sometimes call him the demoniac. And he was so bad that they had put him out in the cemetery away from everybody else. They had chained him up. He had broken the chains. The town is afraid of him. And Jesus heals that man. You may remember he takes the demons out and puts them into a herd of pigs. And the pigs jump off a cliff. Not only is Jesus serving that man, that demoniac, he is serving a whole community that is afraid of the man with demons. He is always serving. He healed a poor woman in Matthew chapter 
5, you may remember there was a woman who was bleeding. She had bled for 12 years. And because of her bleeding, it meant that her husband had the right to divorce her. He's probably left her. The scripture says she had gone through all of her money trying to find doctors to help her. No one could help her. She has nothing. And you remember she reaches out and touches Jesus in the middle of a crowd. And Jesus stops and Jesus serves her by healing her, this poor woman. But then in that same story, he raised the daughter of an important family in Matthew chapter 5. There was a man by the name of Jairus that Jesus was going, he was the synagogue ruler, and Jesus went to his house and healed his daughter who had died. He healed an important person's daughter, not just the daughter, but can you imagine how excited the mother was and how excited the dad was to have her back and all the family. He's serving all of these types of people. There were, there was, especially in theology circles and discussions about 10 or 15 years ago, the big thing was that Jesus just came for the poor. There are still some people who will say that. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jesus did come for the poor, and he came for the wealthy, and he came for the people in between as well. He came for everybody. He came that all people would know him, and all people would follow him. Those are just examples of Jesus when he's serving but I want to take you closer to the end of the life of Jesus. And you remember that Jesus at one point was in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And he was out with his disciples and he says to them, Hey, who do the crowd say I am? And they said, well, his disciples say, Well, some say that you're, you're John the Baptist. And some think you're Jeremiah. And some think you're another prophet of some type. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And you may remember that Peter said, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah of God. And the Bible says after that, that Jesus pointed his eyes toward Jerusalem and everything that happens in the gospel after that, Jesus is walking toward Jerusalem. He knows what's going to happen in Jerusalem. What's going to happen is he is going to die during the Passover there. Every, as soon as they get the point, when Peter gets it that he's the Messiah, Jesus then starts that walk toward Jerusalem where death will come. Not immediate, but it will come as he heads that way. And so finally he gets to Jerusalem. And finally he's there and he's in the city. And you may remember that he has that last supper with his disciples. They don't realize it's the last supper but that's what we call it. And Jesus sits down with his disciples, and you remember they've taken the Passover and they've eaten together. You remember how all of, all of that is, is, is happening. And I want you to see in that supper, in John 13, verses 2 through 5, it says this. During supper, during that Passover, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I want you to hear this next part as well. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, 
Do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I'm doing you don't understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I don't wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash my whole body. Now, I want you to understand what's happening. In that Passover meal that they understand is a religious ceremony, they're all taking it, they're up in an upper room, as the Bible says, they're eating that together, remembering Israel as Israel fled out of Egypt, <coughs> excuse me, out of Egypt, and they're remembering how, how the blood was on the doorpost that God had told them to put and that the that death had passed over them and now they were going to be free. And they remember that through this meal. And now in the middle of that meal, Jesus says, when you eat this bread, I want you to remember my body that I'm giving. This is my body. Take it and eat it and remember me. And he takes that cup and he says, now when you take this cup, you don't remember the blood that was on the doorpost that freed you from Egypt. This is my blood. You remember me when you take this cup. And it's not being freed from Egypt. It's being freed from sin and freed from this life, you will remember. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus knows what's going on with the, with the disciples. He knows what Judas has already decided to do that Judas has already made a deal with, with the religious leaders, with the Jewish leaders, to and he will betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And so as they come to this moment, I can only imagine in the Garden of Gethsemane, that finally after, after he leads that, leaves that meal, Jesus goes out with Peter, James, and John, and he says, stay here and pray for me in the garden. And he goes into the garden, and and. And Jesus says, you stay here, I'm going to go over there and pray. And while Jesus is praying, the disciples, they don't pray. I mean, by the time they get through, dear Heavenly Father, they're already snoring. They've already fallen asleep, and Jesus comes back three different times. And what we see Jesus doing, the human side of Jesus is struggling, Father, if this cup can pass from me, if there's another way that I can die, let it happen. And each time you see Jesus stronger, Finally, the third time, he comes back. And there, as he's talking to his disciples, surely they could see the torches, the light from the torches that would be coming from the temple to the Garden of Gethsemane, a place that he often went to pray. And he would see that guard, that militia, Jewish militia that would have been coming. And Judas is leading that militia, and Judas is going to kiss Jesus on the cheek, which is a way, a greeting for men in, in the Middle East. And all, as all of that is happening, I can just see it. And Judas comes up to Jesus. And I wonder if Jesus looked down and saw the clean feet of Judas. The feet he had just washed. You see, Judas will betray Jesus with clean feet. Judas will, clean, will betray Jesus with with wet toes i mean think about this that jesus has just washed his feet jesus knew what he was going to do and now judas has the audacity 
to betray Jesus. Jesus says to him, look, I haven't been hiding. This is where I always come. You can take me. I'm giving, I'm, I'm going with you. It's not as if you're arresting me. I'm going with you. And then obviously Jesus then went off into a trial. And so he goes to the home of Caiaphas, who's the high priest, for an illegal trial. It's illegal, first of all, because it's at night. Trials were to be in, the, according to their laws, during the daytime. The Sanhedrin, that's the ruling body of Israel, there were 70 men that made up that group. In order to have an illegal trial, all 70 had to be there. They weren't all there. False witnesses come in, and they don't tell whole, whole lies. They just tell false half-truths is what they do. And Jesus stands there. To be tried as a criminal, although he is the only man that has ever lived on the face of the planet without sinning, he is being tried as a criminal. And Peter is outside because, you see, John somehow gets Peter in. John must have connections and gets him into the courtyard. And so Jesus had told, had told Peter, hey, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tonight. And Peter's like, no way. No way would I ever deny you. Yeah, you're going to. And Jesus stands in that room, and, and surely he hears the rooster outside as it crows the first time. You can imagine what Peter's doing. He goes over to the fire, the Bible says, to warm himself next to the fire. And someone says, hey, weren't you one of those with, the, oh, with Jesus? No, I wasn't. It wasn't me. Later on, someone says, hey, I can tell by your accent that you are a Galilean. You must have been with Jesus. I was not. And a third time, they say the same thing, and he says, I was not. And he calls down curses on, him, on his self. And all at once, that rooster crows. And Peter knows what he's done. You see, as we fast forward a few hours here, Peter will deny Jesus with clean feet. With feet that Jesus had washed. In Luke 22, verses 60 through 62, this is where you see that account. But Peter said, man, I do not know who you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and he wept bitterly. I think maybe the scariest line in all of the New Testament is right here where it says, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. As Jesus is in that room being tried, the windows obviously would have been open. It's not, it's not soundproof at all. And I can only imagine, and obviously I'm speculating right here in this point, but we know there was that fire that was going where Peter warms himself, and that the ground would have been cobblestones. And if it's wet at all, either from from rain or from cleaning it, you can imagine the little puddles in the cobblestones, the little puddles of water, and you can imagine the, the reflection of the fire in those puddles reflecting up onto Peter's feet. And you can see Jesus, as he hears that rooster crow, turn around and look at Peter, and he sees Peter's eyes, and he sees Peter's heart. And he sees Peter's clean feet. Oh, it has to hurt. Jesus there, do you know what I just did for you? Do you know? And oh, I like to get upset with Peter. 
I like to say, and I've preached the sermons, you've heard the sermons from other people, and we just talk about how ridiculous Peter was, but yet somehow my body has been completely washed in baptism, and I do the same ridiculous thing sometimes. And we realize that we stand guilty, but the Lord still serves us. And the Lord served Judas And the Lord served Peter. And it's easy to serve those we love. And it's easy to serve the little kids that come in on Sundays. We just love them. And it's easy to get ready for a worship service. And it's easy to serve in other ways when we have fall festival or whatever it is. Those are great. And we need you to do that. But some people are harder to serve than others. So who should I serve? Well, the good, the bad, and the ugly I ought to be serving. I ought to be serving all of those. I ought to be serving the likable and the unlikable, the saint and the sinner. And I always serve or should serve in the name of Jesus. Because I start realizing whenever I'm deciding out there, well, you don't deserve my service. You're not good enough for my service. You have hurt me, therefore I'm not going to serve you or whatever it is. I start realizing that compared to Jesus, that I am not usually the good. I'm usually the bad and the ugly. I'm usually not the likable. I am the unlikable. And I'm not the saint. I'm the sinner. And I realized that Jesus, while we were yet sinners, Christ served us by dying for us. And so I serve all people, or should serve all people, because Jesus served all people. So this is about me becoming more like Jesus. Not just serving those I like, not just serving kids that are cute, not just serving my family, not just serving those who can do something nice for me, This is about serving people that hurt me. This is about serving people I really don't like. This is about serving people that get get on my nerves, under my skin. It's about serving people that may be very different than I am. But Jesus still serves them. Now, I want you to understand this about service because some of you say, wait a minute, David. What What are you saying with all this? Well, let me tell you this. Serving does not mean that I agree with everything that the other person does or agree with their lifestyle. Does not mean that at all. Because actually, I may completely disagree with the lifestyle. I may completely disagree with what they're doing. Jesus certainly completely disagreed with Judas and completely disagreed with Peter denying him. But he serves them anyway. Serving difficult people means that I am becoming like Jesus. Now understand again, we've talked about this a few times. I don't mean to say we all have to be all the way today. This is about taking a step from here to here to here. Because some of us have been so hurt, it takes time, right? Some of you are in relationships, it takes time. But it is about becoming like Jesus, 
Not that we became or have already become, but we are becoming. We are, what I want us to do is to agree to be on the road to become like Jesus. That we are taking steps toward being like Jesus. So here's my question for us today. Am I a server or a taker? Now, sometimes we all need to take. Sometimes it's really hard to take. I don't know about you. Sometimes I feel funny when people do things for me. I just, it makes me feel like I ought to be doing it. They shouldn't be doing it for me. I don't deserve that. It's the way Peter probably felt the first time around, and Jesus was like, no, you've got to let me serve you. But my heart should be that I am a server. Jesus' heart is that he is a server. That I'm thinking about how can I help you rather than what can you do for me. I'm thinking about how can I honor you rather than how can you, can you honor me. How can I put you first rather than how can, you, how can you put me first. My server or a taker. What I pray is that you are ready to get on this road. And for some that will mean to be baptized into Jesus Christ. And wow. Many, probably most of you in here have been baptized into Jesus. You have started this walk. Just this week, another young woman, a woman by the name of Marie that lives in Maine, who was a friend of Cameron Ford, was baptized right here. She came down, she was baptized, she watches this online, and, and it's wonderful, probably she's watching right now. You can be baptized into Christ. I am convinced that the reason to be baptized into Jesus is because I want to follow Jesus with everything in me. That is why I'm baptized. The benefits of being baptized are I receive forgiveness of sins. I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I have this relationship with, with Christ. I become a part of his kingdom. Those are the benefits. But the reason is that I want to follow Jesus wherever he takes me. I want to follow him. And maybe you're ready for that step. Or maybe you're just saying, hey, I need prayers. I'll, I need prayers from everybody. Or I need to write to elders at mcoc.org and have them pray for me. Or maybe this is something. You just go home and say, Lord, help me with these things. Help me as I'm becoming more like your son. Help me to serve rather than to always looking, looking for a way to take. Help me to serve. Come this morning as we stand and sing.